Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now with today's message. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Columbia. I am uh, Pastor Brian, one of the associate pastors here. Our, our senior pastor, Tim Romero, he is out uh, with his uh, family this weekend. Um, so if you're a guest here with us, we are glad that you're here with us. We're excited you're here. Um, there is a Connect card in the seat back pocket in front of you. If you will fill that out, you know, some information there, take it over to the Welcome Center directly across from the doors, and we have a gift bag over there for you. Wow, hello. I am awake now. Man, I need to get a tan up here or something. Um, I feel like a French fry. Um, have you ever, and again, if you've been here before, you've been coming, you know, I'm excited you're here too, okay? Don't want to leave you guys out either. So uh, we've been going through a, a series on, on the Holy Spirit, and uh, normally we teach book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Word of God, but the Lord really put this on Pastor Tim's heart to take a step aside and teach on the gifts or, or presence of, of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Pastor Tim asked me about a month or so ago to, hey, he was going to be out of town. He knew he was going to be out of town. And he's like, hey, can you fill in? I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, and been praying about what to teach on. And I was like, man, okay, uh, I don't really want to mess up, like, how, how it's been going. It's been awesome. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but so far this series has been awesome. It is so needed. It is so vital for us to understand. And I was like, man, I don't really want to mess up the flow of things. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll teach on Romans where our home fellowship group has been. About a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tim and Pastor Mike and I, we have a, we have a weekly call that we, we, we talk through some things and pray, and uh, I really didn't want to get us off track, and uh, Tim said, man, hey, would you, what, how about, would you consider um, maybe just going on to the next section that I was going to teach on? I'm like, that is awesome, man. That's confirmation, you know, confirmation that that's what I wanted to do. So I was, I was like, man, I was going to ask you the very same thing, so very cool. So we are in the middle here of our Church on Fire series talking about the Holy Spirit, vital for the church, vital for this day and age that we need to be operating through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul says in the beginning of chapter 12, we don't want you to be ignorant of the spirituals, as uh, Tim shared last week, or the gifts, presence of the Holy Spirit. And again, I think there is a lot of ignorance or abuse of the gifts in, in the church today. So it's either the extreme of, you know, the gifts are dead, they're not active, they're not, you know, we don't believe in the gifts, or you got people on the far other side, you know, barking in the aisles, jumping up and down, you know. I've seen some of you guys, you know, no. So I think, thankfully, that Calvary chapels, they teach the line, like right in the middle of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're absolutely valid for today. They're needed in the church today. So we're going to look into that some more as we continue on through 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to ha uh, get one to you. Um, the guys will uh, pass one out to you. If you need a Bible, we want you to have the Word of God in your laps as we read it this morning, as we study God's Word. And so I was thinking about, like, what are we going to, what, what, what this section is really about and I have it down to the, as simple as it gets, guys, two, two points for you to apply to your life today, okay? To be and to not to be, okay? That's the question, really a statement, okay? To be the gift designed you to be and not to be the other gift. And we'll, we'll come back to the other gift um, later on in, in the message here. But now I'm sure you'll agree. I mean, it'd be pretty boring if you guys were all like me, right? All right, all right some of you guys... Some of, you, some of you guys agreed to that a little too quickly, all right? <laughs> Note to self, all right, fix that, okay. Um, seriously, consider for a minute if, you know, you like the same things I like, right? You, you like to do the same, same things I do, and, you know, you, you like to go and do things. You dress the same way I do, and you, you say the same things. That, man, that would be pretty boring, wouldn't it, if we were all the same? And thankfully, Paul continues on our discussion in our text this morning about the gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the diversity of them, and the unity of them. Paul is talking about unity here in our text this morning, when we look at it here in just a minute, not uniformity. It's unity, not uniformity. What am, what am I talking about? What do I mean here? So uniformity has, has its place, okay? So you're on a sports team, right? Pretty important that you know who's on your team, right? You got the same color jerseys. You you, you know, you have the same emblems, right? 
what if, what if you were in a football game and everybody had on the same jersey, same color, no number, okay, or the same number, no names on the back jerseys, everybody had on long sleeves, everybody had on those sticky wide receiver gloves, the black shaded helmets, you couldn't tell anybody apart. I mean, everything would be great, right? Until you get to the line of scrimmage, and he's like, 319, hike! At that moment, it'd be mass chaos, right? You wouldn't know who to tackle. You wouldn't know who your own guy is. That's uniformity. That's where uniformity is. In the body of Christ, there really isn't a place for uniformity that we should all look the same other than being Christ-like, Okay? But unity is critical. Unity is absolutely key with the working of the presence and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Unity is very important. And Paul helps further illustrate this. What Paul's going to do, the Apostle Paul is going to take us through the rest of chapter 12 here, pointing to uh, the example using our physical bodies. Okay? So stand with me, and let's dive into our text this morning. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 12, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit or drink one Spirit. In verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Let's pause here and we'll pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we have your word in front of us. We get to study your word. We get to be taught by your word. Thank you, Lord, that you poured out your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we can understand these things. And Father, I do pray that now, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon each and every person here or those listening online, Lord, that we can take your word, Lord, apply it to our lives today. Change us, Father God. Use us in a mighty way today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, so again, very simple. Two, two points, okay? Point number one. Be the gift God designed you to be. Each and every one of us has a part to play in God's plan. Every single one of us, as a believer, has a part to play in God's plan. You know, in God's plan, you're all on first string, okay? There is no second string, third string, bench warmer, pew warmer, okay? God, God never intended Christians to just be pew warmers. He never intended us to just sit back on the sidelines, and really, unfortunately, I think, you know, in our American culture, we've done a horrible job with that, you know, with our churches becoming entertainment centers, you know, come in here, what can I get? Hey, man, I tithe, what can I get, you know? <laughs> I tithe there, you got to give me something, I got to get something out of it, right? Man, I'm not getting anything, I'm going to quit tithing. Man, God never intended us to be pew warmers. Paul is going to use the example of our physical bodies as this example of the importance of the many members. Look again at verse 12. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So, first off, it's very important for us to realize the body-like unity of Christians. This is not a goal that we have to achieve or strive for. It is simply a fact that we have to live in. This is God's word, God's truth, right? It's a fact that God said through the Apostle Paul that we just need to recognize. We are one body, and we need to take hold of that. Notice also he says we were baptized there in verse 13. We were baptized into one body, past tense. We were baptized. When you became a born-again believer, you were baptized into the body of Christ. Now, again, a lot of passages like this have been taken out of context, and, you know, people do all kind of weird stuff with baptism. You know, this is where we, you know, infant baptism has come in. We don't want to leave infants out of the picture, right? I mean, let's, let's baptize babies, sprinkle them, dunk them, do something to them, you know, right? I mean, why, why leave little kids out? I mean, we need to get them in the picture, right? 
the water baptisms, you know, and we've done a lot of water baptisms here lately. It's been pretty cool to see, right, you know? I mean, people come up out of the water, we're all cheering, and we're crying. Oh, well, maybe just me crying, I don't know. But, you know, we're doing, you know, and hey, they're now officially a part of the team. No, that's, that's not what baptism is about. That's not what water baptism is. It's not, an, it's not like an initiation, you know. I mean, in a, in a fraternity, you know, we, we do some kind of sick stuff to initiate you. You know, we don't dunk people and drown them to initiate them into the church, okay? That's not what the point of water baptism is. It is the identification of the believer with those around. It's the public expression of their immersion with Jesus Christ and coming up out of the watery grave into their new life. It's nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. And we see that in Romans 6, 3 through 5. Or, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Notice verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the primary idea behind baptism is not this initiation kind of ceremony into the church. Again, a lot of damage has been done with that, you know, and taken out of context, and just a lot of weird things have happened. What Paul is talking about here in the beginning of our text in verses 12 and 13 is not so much the water baptism. He's talking about spiritual baptism. Did you catch that in verse 13? He says, for by one spirit, underline that, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. He's talking about this common immersion that all believers have in the Holy Spirit into one body, into one body. As he says there again, verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members. And again, Paul uses this brilliant illustration of the human body and all of the members, if you will, and how we fit into the greater community of Christians. So what's the body of Christ then, right? What, is, what does he mean? What's the body of Christ? Does anybody know how many churches there are in Tennessee? Okay. According to Church Angel, there's over 11,000 churches in Tennessee. How many churches are right here in Columbia? Anybody know? Anybody ever look it up? I don't know either. I never looked it up. I just wonder. I just want to hear what you say. Actually, I do know. There's one. There's one church, Okay. He's coming back for one church. He's coming back for one body. He's not coming back just for Calvary Chapel. He's coming back for believers in Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. Now, again, we get to convene here. We get to serve each other and bless each other here at Calvary of Columbia. And, but we are part of the greater body of Christ. And just like every cell in our human bodies, every part of our human bodies, you know, are linked to a common root, like, you know, our DNA code, right? You know, all these members of our body working together. But they're treated differently, right? They work differently. They don't all do the same thing. Equally so, or at least there should be anyway, a great diversity within the body of Christ. Members of the body of Christ, both in appearance and function, okay? Everybody has a common root, a common goal. What's our common goal? To know Christ and to make him known, right? To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter where we come from. Look at verse 13. It doesn't matter the background. He says, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, again, because of the fact that the body is dynamic, there's dividing lines. And the Corinthian Christians here in our text, I mean, they, were, they, were, they did that. They did a lot of this stuff. They, they divided over race. They divided over color, societal status, Jews, Greeks, slave, free. Paul's saying, wait a minute, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you came out of. Yes, it does impact your life, and in, no doubt the, how, the way you were raised impacts your life, but Paul's saying, you know what? None of that stuff matters anymore. You are one body. One body. Going back to my point about the number of churches in Tennessee, and, and it's sad to say, I mean, a lot of you guys are kind of new 
new transits into the area, the Middle Tennessee area. Sad to say, I mean, primarily in America anyway, Sunday mornings is the single largest segregated day in our country still. Single largest segregated day in our country is Sunday morning. Don't believe me? Just drive around Columbia. There's black churches. There's white churches. There's Asian churches. There's Hispanic churches. Fill in the blank and so on and so forth. That's why we have so many of them. And I think Satan has done a great job in creating division, the opposite of unity, within the body of Christ. We see that. Why do you think there's so much persecution in your family, maybe on Sunday mornings when you're trying to get here? He doesn't want the Word of God to go out. He doesn't want his body, he doesn't want people, the body of Christ, to fellowship with one another. He doesn't want that. He hates that when Christians fellowship together in unity. Paul goes on here, elaborating on the illustration. Look at verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, notice, each one of them in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And I think it's funny that Paul writes this here in verse 15. If the foot should say, I mean, that's kind of funny. You know, the foot had a mouth, right? You could even talk, you know? Feel me there, right? Again, a lot of you guys, old school, okay? Take it back a little bit. Remember the talking heads group, right? What about the talking feet? See what I'm talking about? Yeah, come on, okay? Talking feet. You know, what if your foot could talk, right? What if your foot just says, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm out of here. I'm not part of the body anymore. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Crazy, right? Taking my toys, I'm going to go play in a different sandbox. Done. Again, if you're visiting with us here today, man, I'm glad you're here. You know, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're seeking a church. Maybe you're trying to find a church to attend. Pray about it. Pray about where God would put you, where the Holy Spirit would lead you. Like, nah, I just don't fit in here, you know. I'm just going to. Maybe you are the foot that that body of Christ is missing. Maybe you're that one that is needed there. Maybe you're the one that the body and the leadership has been praying for to show up. Man, it happens. It's amazing. I mean, we've been praying for, you know, Tim and Mike, we've been praying for a long time for God to be bringing people that want to serve and bringing people that have gifts and talents to share. And, man, he's been pouring out through a lot of you. And it's awesome to see. Paul is addressing a lot of these things precisely. He's addressing the Christian that feels like, well, I don't belong in the body. I, I feel excluded from the body. I feel separated. I don't fit in. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I belong there. You know, I mean, after all, I'm not really an eye. I'm not a, I'm not a hand. I'm not an ear. I don't fit in good, you know. And he's addressing these Corinthian Christians, and I think us this morning, that, you know, you have a, sp you have a certain gift that God wants to use through you and only you. You know, I mean, after all, right, I mean, hands, they're pretty cool. They seem pretty important, right? Yeah, man, hands are awesome. You know, the foot's like, I want to be a hand, you know. Who wants some of that? I mean, I don't want to be a foot anymore. Gross, you know. It's getting to be flip-flop season. Some of y'all, mm, mm, okay, whoa, leave that stuff at home. Great, wear the loafers or something, okay? Just saying. Paul wants these Christians that perhaps, you know, and again, maybe you feel like that today, you know, you are in fact a member of the body of Christ. You are in fact part of it. And it's really foolishness that we should say that we don't belong or it's foolishness to say that we don't fit in. The same principle can be stated also toward those who swing the pendulum the complete opposite way and we're looking for those that, oh, he, he doesn't belong, she doesn't belong, you know, and we are excluding them and being judgmental and excluding them from the body of Christ. You know, we should not be doing that either. Paul could have just as well said that hand cannot say to the foot, you know, you're not part of the body. You know, that'd be absurd for us as Christians to say that, that we would say that someone doesn't belong in the body of Christ just because of the way they look or what they do. We should never exclude people from them because they don't fit into maybe our model, right? They don't, they don't fit into 
um, our idea of what uh, you know a, a member of the body of Christ should look like. Shame on us if we're in that part of that realm. He says, verse 17, he says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? So the diversity in the body of Christ, you know, it should be accepted. And, and I would even go as far, it is absolutely essential. It is vital for the body of Christ. The gifts and talents that God has blessed us with, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, he didn't give them, and he doesn't give them so that we just sit on them and do nothing with them. The gifts are alive and active today. And now, again, some of you may be at, um, you know, why is the foot a foot? And, you know, why is the, the hand a hand, you know? How, why, why is it this? Why is it that? You know, I mean, you start sounding like the four-year-old, right? You know, why, mom? Why? 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 What, what does your mom say? Because I said so. <laughs> right? You know, after your kid questions you over and over again, why, you know? I mean, that, that, that question alone has to have been, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've answered that. I mean, why, why? Well, because I said so. You know, God did the same thing. <laughs> Look at the end of verse 18. He says, just as he, God, pleased. Okay? That pretty much sums it up in my book. <laughs> okay? You know, if you don't understand why the foot is a foot or why the hand is a hand or why you have the gifts you have and you don't have some other gifts that some other, somebody else has, well, that's God's design. He, doesn't, he didn't do that and, and say, oops, okay? That's not in God's vocabulary. <laughs> he doesn't make mistakes. God's design for the foot and the hand and the ear and the eye and so on is because he created you, and when he did, he said, man, it is good with what he looked at, okay? He, it pleased the designer to make you the way that he did. It pleased him to do that. And, you know, so why? Why? Why do you think he did that? Well, I think it's because if we got to choose our gift, right? We got to choose. We got to pick what we wanted to do. It would come right along with it would be pride. Look at what I did. Look at what I am doing. Instead of being the gift that God designed you to be and utilizing the gift that he designed you to be. Interesting enough, uh, I was, remember, uh, a lot of you guys may, may know uh, Gail Irwin. Gail Irwin's, uh, you know, really old school. He's been a Calvary pastor for a long time. And um, he, uh, he told a story one time where he was at Fuller uh, Seminary Bible College, you know, and he was there. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of other students there. And he says this is about the same time that Billy Graham was coming up and becoming famous and doing a lot of these big, big events and stuff, you know. And, and he says, man, the, 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 the other students there were going around the Bible college, and they were trying to mimic exactly what Billy Graham was doing and doing all these, I mean, their motions and their speech. And he's like, these guys were trying so hard to reproduce a Billy Graham and be Billy Graham and what he was doing. And he's like, man, you guys are missing the whole point. God doesn't want another Billy Graham. He wants you to operate in the gifts and talents that he's given you. He doesn't make mistakes. And he doesn't make clones. He doesn't make duplicates. He makes us unique for his purpose, at his time, for his plan. And he gave us only one of you. Only one of me. Again, I am so glad you guys are not all like me. It'd be a train wreck, okay? So many Christians getting burnt out in the ministry these days. I mean, I think it's because they're trying to do everything that really maybe God doesn't want them to be doing. A lot of times, maybe you guys have been to a church, and you, you know, maybe you came here and you saw that. Well, there's already somebody doing that. I guess they don't need any help there. Oh, man, not, this guy, there's already plenty of, there's already plenty of, you know, children's teachers, we don't need any of those. Wrong. <laughs> Just because every classroom over there is filled, man, we need children's workers. God is blessing us with more and more children, so we need more children's workers. And if you feel called to that area, again, important that you feel called into that area, man, please let us know. Ask. There's, again, a lot of areas here in ministry that we need. Again, maybe 
you're gifted in one area or another. I mean, the body of Christ, you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Again, God never intended you to be a pew warmer. God never intended you to just sit on the bench. There is no second string in God's plan. God has a special place for every one of us. It's not a spectator sport. This is not something where we come in here and entertain you. Uh, Pastor Mike meant return the smoke machine. Okay, we need to put that out. Okay. It's not about entertainment, okay? It's not about entertaining you. It's coming here to where we can serve each other again. But it, it's, unfortunately, that's what we've done in the, in the American culture is we've made church a spectator sport. Oh, it's the pastor's job to evangelize. Oh, it's the pastor's job to go and do this. It's the pastor's job to do this or that. No, we're all called to be ministers of Jesus Christ and to take the gospel out into this, outside these four walls. Guys, the mission field is right when you leave these doors. The mission field is your workplace. The mission field is your neighborhood. The mission field is your circle of friends. It's outside these walls. Every single one of us has that call on our life to go and spread the gospel. This is no spectator sport. And a lot of times we think, well, I'm not a hand. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not special. Paul addresses this. Look at verse 21. He says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker. Notice what does he say there? are necessary. They're necessary. Absolutely necessary. Again, Paul is addressing those that may be tempted by a sense of pride or superiority, you know, because the gifts are already in place in the body. We can say to somebody else, hey, I have no, I have no need of you. I have no need of you. I don't really need you. I'm, I'm good. I can do it all on my own, right? kind of back to our football analogy, you know, I mean, do you know what, do you know who makes a running back look good? The offensive line, okay? You will never see a good running back not give credit to that offensive line, okay? That offensive line, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you. We know who did it, <laughs> you know. Alabama has produced some of the best running backs here in the history of college football, right? But every one of those that have come out of there have been behind a superior offensive line. You know, the, last year, the average starting weight of Alabama's offensive line was 329 pounds. The average weight of the O-line was 329, okay? I mean, Double me and get me soaking wet, I'm getting close to that, okay? <laughs> These guys can move people around, okay? Probably move around most defensives in the, defensive teams in the NFL, okay? Najee Harris was the running back last year, and he looked awesome, and he went straight to the NFL, straight to the NFL. But you will never see him take credit for his abilities, when you got guys in front of you that are averaging 329, they don't make holes. They make canyons that they can run through, okay? <laughs> they make giant gaps that <laughs> this guy can dance through and look awesome, okay? It's no different in the body of Christ, right? Paul is sitting here saying for those guys who are attempting to take a hold of that sense of superiority of their gifts in the body and say, absolutely not. You cannot say I have no need of you. They are absolutely vital. There are, I mean, there are several people here every Sunday, guys, working behind the scenes to make Pastor Tim look good. Well, I mean, just kidding. Not about my point, but about Pastor Tim looking good. Okay, now, <laughs> a lot of guys here, a lot of people putting their hands and feet to the work of the ministry here every Sunday. The sound booth, the ushers, the greeters, the children's ministry, the coffee shop, all these things. Again, a lot of people coming and putting their hands and feet to the work of the ministry here. And we know that it's all just because of what God's doing in individual people's lives to come and be a greater part of the body of Christ, utilizing the gifts that you have, utilizing the gifts that God has given you. He goes on in verse 22 to say, No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker 
Again, highlight this. If it's not highlighted in your Bible, they are necessary. Highlight that in your Bible. They are necessary. And again, oftentimes we do that. We consider parts of the body unnecessary until, what? It gets hurt, right? Okay, my daughter, Faith, you know, <laughs> hurt her uh, ankle on a Friday evening. Great time to, for your kids to get hurt, by the way. Friday evening at 4 o'clock when everybody's going home and everything's closing. So driving all over the place to go to the right place. You know, she hurt her ankle on trampoline. Let me tell you, she knows very well where her ankle's at right now. It's hurting. <laughs> it's screaming at her right now in pain. And let me tell you, that thing, man, I, I, I appreciate your prayers. I mean, that thing was like the size of a tennis ball on the side of her ankle. And thank God it's not broken. But whenever part of the body hurts, whenever part of us is in pain, a hangnail, okay? Hook that sucker when you're putting your hand in the pocket. <laughs> it reminds you very quickly that it's there, right? And you, you go straight to the bathroom or somewhere to find them clippers to rip that sucker off because I don't want that to happen again. Man, when somebody hurts, we know it. Say too in the body of Christ. When we're hurting, guys, this is the hospital. This is where we're supposed to be. Don't, don't run and hide and don't think that, oh, you're the only one ever dealing with this. That's Satan whispering stuff into your ears that it's, you're the only one that has ever dealt with this. I don't know about your Bible. My Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> okay? Don't ever think for a minute if you're hurting that you, you can't be here. I mean, don't, don't ever get into that lie. And he talks on, he goes on to say in verse 23, talking about the less honorable uh, type of members of the body we bestow greater honor on them. What, what is he talking about here? You know, thinking about the body of Christ, right? Less, less honorable things. You know, we clothe them. We take care of them, right? What about our internal organs, right? <laughs> Hopefully, none of you have seen your internal organs personally, okay? That would be bad, okay? You know? But God designed our bodies to take care of them, right? Your heart, your lungs. What do we call them? We call them the vitals, right? Somebody gets shot, what's the first thing? Did it get any vitals? You know? The vitals are behind this cool little thing. They put a rib cage in here, right? You know? They're inside a cage and they're protected. He's talking about the same thing here within the body of Christ. Those things that, you know, hidden. The guys behind the scenes that, you know, pick up trash in the parking lot or come in here and straighten chairs, you know. Fill up the little pockets in the back of the chairs. Do things that, you know, they're, they're not up on stage. They're not on the worship team, you know. And Paul's addressing this because some people feel like, oh, I'm, what I'm doing is kind of hidden. And, you know, I'm not on center stage. And, man, the, those guys get greater, greater honor than me. Paul says just the opposite of that. Paul says that he knows how to bestow greater honor upon them in verse 24. So don't ever think for a minute that your gift is insignificant or what you're doing is insignificant to the body of Christ. Why? Look at what he says in verse 25. He says that there should be no schism in the body. I don't know the last time I used that word. He's talking about division. Schism just means division. So there should not be any division in the body of Christ. So he's addressing both extremes here. The the pride and honorable, those that think they're spectacular. And as well, he's saying, you know what, for those that maybe feel shame or think they are less honorable, he's addressing that as well. Notice what he says there in verse 25. He also says that the members should have the same care. Underline that or highlight that. The members should have the same care for one another. Okay, I was doing good to this point, you know, now you want me to actually care for somebody? Yeah, I do. I want you to care for other people. That's what we need to be doing. After, I mean, that's why we're here, to care for one another, to love on each other. As Tim has said many times, we're, we should be doing life together. We should be doing life together. You know, even though Randy gets the great show, guys, there's no Lone Ranger Christians. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. I'm just going to go out here and do it on my own, do my own thing. I don't need anybody. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, okay? Paul's theological point here in 
the nature of the body, it all comes down to one very practical application here, to care for one another, to love on each other. Because why? Why is that? Because we're all part of the same body. We're all part of the same body. And when somebody hurts, man, we baby it. We take care of it. You know, let me tell you, my, my daughter Faith is really watching her ankle. I mean, anybody gets near it, <laughs> whoa, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, she'll tell you, you don't touch it. <laughs> don't get near it. You know? Your body lets you know when it's hurting. We should let each other know when we're hurting, right? You know, just like you're in the middle of the night and you're walking through your house and you find that Lego, you have never, you have not experienced pain yet till you step on a Lego barefoot in the middle of the night, okay? Let me tell you, okay? Walking there, you know, and you, and you use that part of your body to find your coffee table, right, you know? It lets you know, man. You find out real quickly that you have a pinky toe, don't you? <laughs> That thing becomes center of attention in your life, right then and there, right? And again, I thank you for that, guys. Thank you for praying for her, and, and that's what we should be doing, praying for one another. And again, if you're here this morning, I don't mean to minimize that at all and make fun of that at all, but if you're here this morning and you are hurting, man, you are not alone, okay? And you're in the right place. If you're online and you're listening online, please call somebody here at the church. Email us. Let us know you need prayer. There's people here that want to talk with you. There's people here that want to pray with you and encourage you. Don't listen for a minute to those words that you're the only one doing this. That's coming from Satan, okay? Those whispers are coming from Satan that you're the only one struggling in this area. You're the only one dealing with this. You're the only one hurting this way. I mean, don't, don't go tell them. I mean, after all, they're going to think you're a weirdo, right? Anybody ever thought that? Don't think that for a minute. I know I have. Don't think that for a minute, okay? As individual parts of the body, we must work together. We must work together for the greater good. And the eyes and the ears, again, they're not, they don't only serve themselves, they serve the whole body. Our hands don't just defend ourselves, they defend the whole body. Your heart, okay, supplies blood to the whole body, not just itself, okay? Now, there is one part of our body that does serve itself. Takes care of itself, consumes everything around it for itself, does everything it can to feed and grow itself. You know what the medical term we call it for? Cancer. That's the second part. Two-point application. Second part, don't be a cancer in the body of Christ. Don't come in here and just suck up stuff, and just suck from people. Now, again, I know there is absolutely times in our lives when we are hurting and we need people around us, okay? I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about that all you're doing is just coming and just absorbing and absorbing and taking and taking and never taking it outside of here and applying it to others. God never intended his word to just be kept for ourselves. He never intended that. And again, I think Calvary's, we can be, we got to be careful with that because we are very, you guys are very well fed, okay? He never intended to just be a bunch of fat sheep, okay? We are very well fed through, through God's word, thankfully. I, I mean, I love that Tim brings the word every Sunday. And Mike, when he teaches, when, in our home, we, we teach God's word. It can't end there. It can't end there in your life. You have to go on to application. You have to apply it to your life. You have to take it outside these four walls and share it with other people around you. That's what we were supposed to do, is go and take it out of here. Again, the opposite of that is ju just being a cancer. Don't be that other gift. Don't be a cancer in the body of Christ. I mean, if you feel like, I mean, maybe you feel like, I mean, I'll tell you right now, leave. Leave. It would be better for you to leave than be a cancer to the body of Christ. Yeah, I said that. Don't come here and just take. Come here and serve. I love what Charles Spurgeon actually said this to his congregation. Listen to what he said. He says, I want every member of this church to be a worker. We do not want any drones. If there are any of you who want to eat and drink and do nothing, there are plenty of places elsewhere where you can go uh, and where you can do it. There are empty pews about in abundance. Go and fill them up, for we do not want you. 
Every Christian who is not a bee is a wasp. The most quarrelsome persons are usually the, the useless. And the ones who are most happy and peaceable are generally those who are doing most for Christ. Now, again, that may seem pretty harsh, right? Man, ouch. But Spurgeon's point, my point here, is that cancers, I mean, they can cause more damage to the body of Christ than good. More damage, right? You know, these cancerous people are more like, you know, the wolves in sheep clothing, right? I love the, the far side image, you know. I mean, wait a minute, you know, is, is anybody here a real sheep? <laughs> What's going on? Right? These people cause more harm in the body of Christ than good. Now, I'm not sitting here saying we should be sin sniffers and try to point these people out. I mean, one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment, okay? If God has given you that and blessed you with discernment, man, by all means, bring it up if you feel like there's that kind of a person in here. Sowing discord, right? You can tell, okay? The, the people that are like this are completely opposite of what we see in Scripture about how Jesus is. They don't want unity. They often don't fellowship. But every time they come, they complain about something. Oh, the music was too loud. Oh, this was that. Uh, Tim's message is okay, but I didn't, like it. I didn't really get anything out of it. Okay, and sowing discord. Well, have you heard what this other pastor said? This other pastor said this. And th- and again, man, these kind of people can sometimes cause more harm than good in the body of Christ. And Paul could have, you know, I mean, and some think, maybe some think that he should have just come out and said, hey, why don't you just say, Paul, care for one another, you know, and ignore the whole spiritually true foundation for this kind of caring, right? I mean, Paul, don't just tell us what to do, right? Paul, Paul wants us to understand why we should be caring for one another, why we should be looking out for each other. Don't you like to understand why you're doing something before you do it? Now, we don't always get that, right? We don't always get that benefit, right? You know, I mean, we like to know what's going on. It's not the military, right? The, mil- the, the military follows more of the, uh, the mom ideology, right? <laughs> you do, I say, when I say so, you do it, right? You know? Again, if you're in the military, maybe you're a child here this morning, I mean, I don't recommend asking why, okay? I don't <laughs> recommend asking why when given a command to do something. That never turns out very well, Okay? Really early on when uh, our oldest was born, my, my wife and I, we have, we have eight, eight children, and when our oldest was born, we, we decided early on um, through studying God's Word and, and seeking people that did raise children God's way, we, 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 we wanted to know early on, what do you do? And one of the most damaging things you can do to your kids is count. One, two, Okay. Mom and dad said, you do. God said, you do. Don't, there, there is no counting, okay? There is no counting. There is no opportunity because then you put into that some kind of subjectivity. Oh, I got at least three. Sometimes like two and a half gets in there, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Okay. Again, that never really turns out very well. In the military, again, <laughs> when, when you need to apply everything you've been trained to do, and you need to get out there and apply the skills that you have, I mean, lives are at stake. There is no room for questioning. Paul says here that we are to practically take care of one another. I don't think he ma- made that as a suggestion. I don't think he made that as well, you know, if, if, if they're a nice person, then take care of them. Or if they're this, or if they're that, you know. Paul says in verse 26, and if one member suffers, take care of them. If they suffer, if they're hurting, go after them. God will put it on your heart. Maybe God has blessed you with that gift to see people that are hurting, you know, and go and share words of encouragement with them. Share scripture with them. Encourage them. Wrapping all this up now, we see it's God who is the one who is distributing these gifts. Look at verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ. Did you catch that? He says, you are the body of Christ and members individually. 
And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, ministrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Verse 31, he says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. He says, You are the body of Christ. If you didn't know that this morning when you came in here, now you do. You are the body of Christ. Church is not a building. It's not the physical walls. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And Paul is summing all this up, the human body, all of its members operating together with one common goal, being the body of Christ. Now, he talks a little bit here about some of the different parts and some of the different aspects of the body, right? He says there in verse 28, apostles, you know, special ambassadors. You know, Paul, ta- uh, Paul says that, you know, these are the guys that, you know, from the very beginning, these, these are the ones that had the apostolic authority from God. Again, they weren't repeated. They were just from the foundation. Pastor Tim talked a little bit about that last week. There, there are no additional apostles today. Don't, that's what God said in his word. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, he says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look at verse 20. He says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit together grows into the holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Verse 20 says, having been built. The foundation was laid by the apostles and prophets. So already done. It's not something that, you know, it was a special time that he used to pour out through these guys with the apostolic authority. Also prophets here. He says, you know, uh, Tim, Tim got into that a little bit last week as well. Speaking forth God's word, right? You know, that can be one way to do it. We can foretell God's word. Or we can also foretell future events. Now, if we're foretelling future events, guess what? We need to hold up to what it says in Deuteronomy about, <laughs> about a prophet, right? If anything doesn't come to pass, 100%, you know, death, <laughs> okay? If somebody's sitting here saying, thus saith the Lord, you know, the Lord is going to return, you know, Friday night at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's like, okay, um, no, <laughs> that prophet shall die. It says there in verse 20 in Deuteronomy 18, that prophet shall die, and we should not regard anything that they say. Pastor Tim described a little bit of that last week and the differences in prophecy. Go back and uh, take a listen to that. It was really, really awesome the way he broke that down. Workers of miracles in verse 28. Those who God is using to do miracles. Again, there's a biblical pattern for miracles to be done through the Holy Spirit, not the initiative of the individual, okay? Not up to me to do or perform a miracle. It's up to him and his leading of that, him doing that. And again, it's, 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 it's to prove all of these things, all of our, all these gifts and the, the things that God gives us to use through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're to point others to Jesus, the Holy Spirit does not try to glorify himself and does not try to glorify the one who has the gifts or the ones who are performing the gift, if you will, to bring attention to anything other than pointing them to Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Christ. It's all about him. Helps. In verse 22, uh, verse 28, he says helps. Uh, shocking enough, you know, the translation here has in mind those who actually help, okay? The Bible is not rocket science. Help, assist others in doing the work of the Lord. Pastor Mike is our administrative pastor here. I mean, he does so much behind the scenes, guys. He does so much behind the scenes to take stuff off of Tim's plate so Tim has more time in God's Word to prepare for Sunday mornings and, and be prepared to teach. And I'm so thankful that there are so many people here behind the scenes that do these things. People that clean the building, scrub toilets, pick up trash in the parking lot. I mean, 
there's always a need for more people to do those things. There's always a shortage of workers, right? You guys, may, maybe you guys have seen this one, right? The, you know, long-haired, freaky people can now apply, right? You know, you guys ever seen that? No doubt. Man, apply within, man. <laughs> we need more people in the church. <laughs> we need more people to serve out, right? To serve. We need more people to help, you know? Luke 9, 35, 38. Jesus uh, said, then Jesus went to all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching in the, the gospels of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Notice, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Again, help to come alongside and be a part of the work of the ministry. Again, there's no second string. There's no pew warmer. There's no bench warmers in God's kingdom. He's given every one of us something to do. He's blessed every one of us with gifts and talents to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Spurgeon says this about helps. He says, it strikes me that they were not persons who had any official standing, but that they were only moved by the natural impulse and the divine life within them to do anything and everything which would assist either teacher, pastor, or deacon in the work of the Lord. They are the sort of brethren who are usually anywhere who can stop a gap and who are only too glad when they find that they can make themselves serviceable to the church of God in any capacity, whatever. And I know there's a lot of you guys here that are like that. You'll do anything to help out. Hey, here I am. Yeah, whatever. You need help? Sure. Yeah, got it. You know, no problem. I'll do whatever. We needed a lot of people to help out for the event this past Wednesday when, you know, uh, Mike Weaver was here and the whole day. Man, it was cool to see. It was awesome to see a lot of the guys. Hey, I'll do it. Whatever. You know, we didn't get paid to do anything. It's like, hey, we got to serve. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you, Lord, for using me. And that's really what he's looking at. He's looking at the heart of the believer. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll do anything. I don't care what it is, you know. Spurgeon describes some of these other qualities about those that help. A, a tender heart to really care. A quick eye. That was not part of my sermon. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I think we just lost a light. Okay, uh, that was cool. Ah, uh, now, now you're all awake. <laughs> wow. All right, a quick eye to see the need. <laughs> a loving face to uh, cheer them and bless them on. Uh, a firm foot so that you will not fall yourself, a strong hand to reach out to those in needy, and a bent back to reach out to every man. Again, when I, when I saw, uh, I saw uh, Gail Irwin years ago was at, at, at a men's conference, he was talking about a, uh, a story that he shared where um, this missionaries, you know, back in the day you know, when telegrams and stuff were very popular, and they, uh, they wanted to get out a message out into the field to help out all the missionaries that were out there. They quickly wanted to send a message to him. He said, so they went to the telegraph office and said, hey, look, here's, here's what we want to send. I got this, I got this all on the card. Can, can you send this out to all these people in the field? All of our missionaries at one time, send them out. You know, it was like the first time, you know, group text everyone out, okay? All right? Well, he gives the information to the, to the clerk, and they're like, well, sir, I'm okay, and it'll cost you this much. Here, here's what it'll cost you. Whoa, this is, this, is a, this is a ministry, man. Come on, help me out here. You know, you're, you're killing me here. You know, that's, that's what, okay, let me, let me reword it. So he takes it and he scratches through it and he, try, he changes it all up. And he's like, okay, how about this? Can you, can you send this out to all the people in the field? No, I'm sorry, sir, not for, not for that. Okay, what can I send? What can I, what can I, he goes, sir, with, with that, that amount of money and this amount of people that you want to send this to, you can really probably send just one word. <laughs> and you know what he sent? Others. That's what he sent out to all the missionaries out in the field to encourage them, to strengthen them along. And uh, Gail Irwin went on to make bumper, bumper stickers, and maybe you guys have seen some of those around and stuff. The others, and now it's on social media, hashtag, hashtag others, you know. And I, I love what he goes, Gail Irwin went on to say, he says, keeping in mind that the opposite of others is, is, is self-centeredness. It's, it's pride. With the event that split heaven and formed hell, the split continues to divide the universe today. Keep in mind that Jesus lived 
that heavenly faithfulness by serving others and giving himself up. Satan has nothing in me. It was a statement that was totally opposite. It was totally others-centered. Keep in mind that Jesus declares that he did not come to be served, which is selfishness, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, which is others-centered. Keep in mind that Jesus requires those who follow him to deny themselves, to take up their cross, which means it's the constant knowledge to, be, to belong to the one and follow him. He says, keep in mind that he finally sums up the achievement of all these things good by declaring that whoever loses his life gives it away for Christ's sake shall find it. And he finally wraps it up. He says, uh, think of all the problems solved today by simply blessing others. When you are blessing others, guess what you're not doing? You're not sinning. You cannot bless other people <laughs> and be in a state of sin, like unless you have some sick motives or something, okay? When I'm not self-centered, again, it's a matter of serving others, blessing others. And he said, when my life is filled with joy, my life is filled with the most joy usually when I am serving others. And that's what he did. He sent that out. You want to you know what the message is? Serve other people. Love on other people. You will never go wrong being others-centered. And be the gift that God designed you to be by serving other people. Again, biblical application doesn't get any simpler than that. Serve other people. If you're married, serve your spouse. Serve your children. In the workplace, you should be the best person there. You should be the hardest worker in your workplace. People should see a difference in you in the workplace. People should see a difference in you in your community. Do you help out your neighbor? Really, do you lovingly go do something for your neighbor just because God put it on your heart to do it? Serve other people. He wraps up some other things here. He says, do all speak in tongues? Man, we get into speaking in tongues. Man, great. Great damage has been done in church by promoting tongues as a necessary reality uh, of being a Christian. You know, I mean, this has caused many people to seek after tongues and to try to force it on people. I mean, I, I, got, I got saved when I was in college at, at, at University of Alabama. And, man, I was, I was a baby Christian, you know, maybe six months to a year into it. And the whole Brownsville revival thing was going on. Maybe some of you guys might remember that. So a bunch of buddies, you know, three or four of my buddies, we just loaded up the car, you know, road trip. You know, we're going to L.A. Woo! Oh, I forgot a lot of Californians are here. L.A., lower Alabama, okay? L.A., all right, okay? Lower Alabama, come on, roll tide, all right? Lower Alabama, the Florida panhandle, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's where, that's where Brownsville, that's where this revival took place, at the Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida. So we're like, let's go, let's go check it out, road trip. You know, so we got in the car, went down there, and let me tell you, when we walked in that night to that revival, it was insane. I have no other word to describe it. It was just insane. Literally, people running up and down the aisles with flags, people barking in the spirit, laughing, running. It was ballet dancers were up on stage with the worship team, full Tutus, ballet gear, everything. And I'm, we're just going, what? Walk in. The entire section of people fell down. Not sitting over there. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was the weirdest thing I have ever seen in my life. It really was very damaging. Just when I had thought we'd seen it all, we were in there, we were listening to the worship and stuff, and it was kind of cool for a little while, and this group of guys noticed, my, me and my buddies, pulled us aside, we kind of, they took us into the wing of the church, like the, the Sunday school wing of the church, and we're like, that's kind of weird, what's going on now, what, what did we do wrong, did you not raise your hands or something, what'd you do, man, what's going on, did you guys ask for this, you know, I know, I know. they split us up, separated us, and into separate rooms, and you get in a room, and sitting on a folding chair in the middle of the room, I'm telling you guys, it's like an FBI inquisition, okay? I got a picture of that. It's like FBI inquisition. You're sitting in this room, spotlight on you, 
I'm telling you, these guys, there was one guy walking around the room, just around the four walls, two other guys saying, all right, man, give it a shot. I give what a shot. Dude, I was petrified at this point. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just start speaking in tongues. I'm like, what? Just let it out, brother. Let it out. It was just like, I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life and probably the most damaging until I actually heard a pastor really teach on very similar to this of, about the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does properly according to Scripture in a believer's life. <laughs> Ironically, those guys did prophesy that I would be a teacher one day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever. Walked out of there going, <laughs> he is psychos. Holy cow. Was that a move of the Holy Spirit or not? You know what? I'm not here to judge, but you know what? I mean, that revival lasted five years. And they said some four million people came through that church. And, you know, again, I'm sure maybe some people's lives were changed. I don't know. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. But, um, and I'm sure a lot of damage was done too. I mean, I, I guarantee you a lot of damage was done through that. The, you know, I, I read uh, some articles on, on it, you know, the, the, why did the Pensacola outpouring end, you know? Uh, number one thing, the pride of man. Listen to this. Um, this article said that for those that were personally involved in the revival, there are multiple reasons why the revival ended after five years. Divisive leadership was appointed that later caused the church to split. The evangelist Steve Hill, who was doing most of the revival, left the meetings and the revival almost immediately began to lose momentum. Financial mismanagement created unnecessary pressure. The church was reportedly left with $11 million in debt. I know about you, but that doesn't sound like God to me. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, is what my Bible says. This guy fleeced a flock, and he raked people of money. Left the church with $11 million in debt. And the revival never really spread further from that, as if the Holy Spirit could only be in one place at one time. What did Jesus say? He said he told the he told the disciples that it is better for me to go because I'm going to send you the helper. Why is it better? Because the Holy Spirit is not bound by walls. He's not bound by a point on Google Maps. Okay? Jesus was in his earthly ministry, he was. The Holy Spirit is not. That's why he said it's better for him to go. Now, I mean, God can do anything through this kind of stuff, you know. But man, I think a whole lot of damage was done because of it. Because tongues in the Bible, again, not like what I just described, <laughs> it's a communicative gift between us speaking to God. It's not to make us look more spiritual. It's not, again, it's not about us. It has nothing to do with salvation or your, you know, proof of, like your proof card of if you're a Christian, which is a lot of what these people were believing and teaching and sharing. Very scary, very scary stuff. I think uh, they said today that church has less than 100 people. Man, ouch, ouch. When one feels that maybe they're hindered with their ability to speak to God, man, ask for the gift of tongues. It's a gift. It's not the gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't let it scare you. I mean, ask for it. I think I've seen, you know, a couple different times in my life. I've been a Christian for almost 25 years, and I think a couple times I've seen a proper display of the Holy Spirit. Not long after that, maybe a year or two after that, in the church we were at in, in Tuscaloosa, um, the pastor's wife, during worship, got up and just speaking in tongues, like, whatever, just started speaking in tongues, you know, didn't interrupt anybody, didn't interrupt worship, it was kind of a musical time and stuff, and I was like, wow, that was interesting. Uh, immediately, another guy stood up and just, I mean, read like half the gospel of John, word for word. I was like, whoa, I'm like, man, that is kind of what I've seen, proper use of the gift of tongues. Paul's not, Paul, it's, it's a gift. It's not the gift. 
Don't let it scare you. And he says here at the very end, in verse 30, he says, earnestly desire the best gifts. The Holy Spirit is the gift giver, okay? He's the one who gives them. But it's, no, it's not wrong for us to desire them. It's not wrong for us to desire things that we can use in accordance to God's plan. Paul's going to go on um, next week, and Tim's going to share as we go into 1 Corinthians 13, because he says, earnestly desire the get best gifts. There's a more excellent way. And again, all the gifts, all the things that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us, they're, they're meaningless if we don't do it in love. Meaningless if we don't do it in love. And that's kind of what we're going to get into to next week. So, very important, guys. Two things, very simple. Be the gift God designed you to be. Okay? God has got a plan for each and every one of you. He's blessed you with gifts, talents, things that you can do, things to be a part of the body, to bless the body. And whatever you do, don't, don't be a cancer. If you feel like you're in that, man, just, it's simple. Repent, turn, go the opposite direction. <laughs> okay? But don't, don't be a cancer to the body of Christ where you're just here to just suck in and take and take. This is not a spectator sport. This is absolutely first string. Every single one of you blocking and tackling, you have a job to do in God's plan. I can't tell you what that is, but he can. He can tell you. So be the gift God designed you to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Thank you, Father God, for everything that you've shown us. Thank you, Lord, for all the gifts and talents and things that you give us, Lord, to bless others in this body. Father, I pray for more of that, Lord. I just pray for a greater move of your spirit and more freedom of your spirit to move. Lord, we don't want to put, put you in a straitjacket, Lord. We don't want to hinder what it is that you want to do. So, Father, we do pray for that now, Lord. If anybody has felt that here this morning, that, Lord, you want to use them, Lord, I just pray that you just confirm that with them, Lord. You don't want us to all be Billy Graham. You designed each and every one of us for a purpose. You designed each and every one of us for a reason, for this time, for this day and age, for this, this part of your plan. Lord, help us to operate fully in the things that you've given us, Lord. Thank you again, Lord, for everyone here today. Lord, we thank you again for your word. May we take it outside of here, Lord, outside these four walls, into the mission field, and apply it to our lives, Lord. Help us to love others. Help us to serve other people, Lord, because we know we can't go wrong if we're serving and loving on other people. Because we see over and over again in Scripture, that's what Jesus did. Help us to be more like you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.